Hello, fellow ag nerds. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Future of Agriculture podcast. My name is Tim Hamrich, and every week I get the chance to sit down with the founders, the farmers, the innovators, the investors, shaping the future of the ag industry. I want to start today with a couple of shout outs to new members of the FOA community, Daniel Kasner, Vonnie Estes, and James Decker. I get so excited when awesome people like this choose to support the show and engage with this community. Uh, James Decker, for example, is the mayor of Stanford, Texas, and writes a fantastic Substack newsletter called West of 98. And Vonnie has an awesome podcast that many of you I'm sure would enjoy called PMA Takes on Tech. Thanks to Daniel, James, and Vonnie for being part of the FOA community. And you could join them and other great people in ag if you'd like over at patreon.com forward slash agriculture. If you've listened to this podcast for very long, you probably already know I tend to sort of circle around topics. I mean, whether it's regenerative agriculture or farmer adoption of new technology or very recently data, I sort of start pulling on threads and then these themes pop up in episodes for a while. Today's show connects back to episode 241 with Craig Rupp of Sabanto, where we talked about, among many other things, how the Climate Corp has been able to become such a central data collection platform on so many large-scale farms. Combine that to the episodes last year with Intent, and then last week with Advanced Agrolytics and Dr. Terry Griffin, and you can definitely see that I'm trying to unpack some of the complexities related to farm data. Today's episode is an extension of the questions generated from those previous episodes. Also, I've been trying to better understand more general business topics like product strategy and design thinking. We're going to briefly touch on those as well as this data ownership piece with today's guest, Ranjita Singh, the Chief Product Officer at the Climate Corp. Ranjita was hired last year to drive the product strategy and roadmap for Climate's digital farming solutions. She has more than two decades of background in hardware and software at the intersection of IoT, AI, and data science with companies like Intel and Teradata. She holds five patents at Intel and multiple publications, and she's also the recipient of the top 50 under 50 most powerful women in technology. Her perspective as someone coming from a career in tech to now a career in ag tech is something I found interesting and insightful. I'm going to drop in the conversation here where she's describing how she sees the climate product portfolio. Now, if you look at climate, people only think of climate, uh, you know, as a field view platform, right? If you look at uh, my recent blog post, I have talked about the three lines of business. We talk about uh, software as a service, which is our field view platform. Then there is uh, data as a service, which is uh, the actual platform on how you organize and store data so that you can deliver insights at a global scale to your farmers. And then we have professional services where you're more focused on tailored solutions, which are uh, tailored to specific fields or specific regions of the field. And then you can deliver valuable insights to the farmers by leveraging machine learning and artificial intelligence. So the professional services, you know, as you're focused more on driving the real business outcome for the farmers uh, versus just focusing on the input sales. And then professional services use cases like whether you're focused on improving the, you know, the seed volume or you're helping the farmers really improve the yield and productivity. And that is uh, the professional services use cases actually dictate some of the attributes that we support in our software as a service and data as a service platform. So that's how the three lines of business come together. 
And, uh, you know, when you look at product, the role of product is to look holistically across the three lines of business. You know, product really helps you define the business case and the requirements. So it helps you define why you're doing something before you get into the what and the how. And product also connects the dots with what and how, right? So that is the role of product. So product, that's why it plays such an important role. We believe in the practice of failing early, failing fast, which means that you are following design thinking principles. Design thinking is a human-centered approach to innovation, where you look at understanding the pain points of your customer, and then you ideate and figure out the potential solution and also do rapid prototyping, which helps you really uh, focus on developing products and solutions as well as improving the processes. So that is the process that uh, you know I believe in strongly, where you're looking at all the different pain points of our customers and ideating to figure out what is the right way to solve it. And, uh, you know, the one of the key things of product is you don't just focus on the customer pain points, you marry it with a go-to-market approach. And I'm a firm believer that user experience is like the other side of the coin for product planning. And that's why both play a very important role working hand in hand to really take it all the way from discovery to define, to design, to uh, execution and launch, and then bring back the learning post-launch product also plays a very critical role in keeping a healthy balance of the portfolio. So you're not just focusing on short-term things, you're also thinking strategically, right? So the product strategy is actually the vision of where you want to take your product and you bring it to light through the product roadmap. So product roadmap plays such an important role because you have a tactical roadmap where you think about short-term And then you also have strategic roadmap where you're thinking about longer term, where you want to go. And you build your platform in such a way that you are following a crawl, walk around approach. So what you do in a short term, then what you do in the midterm, and then what you do in the long term. And I think listeners generally understand the software as a service model and then your third model, which would be more like custom solutions for clients. But talk to us about data as a service. You know, what exactly is the product there? So data as a service is actually, you know, the platform that we are building in the back end to organize and store data and provide insights at a global scale, right? All that, when you think about data governance, data operations, data uh, stewardship, right? Those are the factors that we think about. So it is all about like how you are storing data in a, you know, in a database and how are you organizing it? How are you ensuring that you are providing the right data quality, right? As you are acquiring all the data. So if you look at like you connect the dots, you are acquiring your data through your digital farming platform. Then how are you organizing and storing it? And then how are you delivering value to your farmers through the professional services? So you can see the entire pipeline. Right. So this is the centerpiece data as a service is pretty much your platform on, you know, how you are doing your modeling as an example. Right. How are you developing the models so you are able to provide the prescriptions to your farmers and how you are able to help them make sense. Right. How are you able to provide outcomes? Similarly, like as you are acquiring data from various sources, how are you organizing all that data? Right. So all that. And then you think about uh, license to operate, freedom to operate, uh, you know, the security aspects, all that thought process comes into data as a service. I know one concern out there amongst farmers is 
obviously they're using the product because it works for them that, you know, the field view product, but they're worried about this data component of a couple things, you know, could this data be sold to somebody who's going to use it against me? And, you know, climate's owned by Bayer. Is this being used so that, you know, I have to pay more for the inputs I might be buying from them? So can you talk a little bit about the data privacy piece? Absolutely. Um, you know, the collection of uh, data about even the individuals has sparked a lot of debate in the legal community and the community as a whole. You know, the concern has always been about uh, what constitutes proper notice to the consumers that their data is being collected and the privacy of the data and um, sharing of the information with third parties. This is uh, definitely true, even in the case of agriculture, because we are collecting lots of uh, data from the farmers through the digital tools. If you really look at, uh, in the case of digital farming, as you are collecting information, the data collected uh, has a lot of attributes that makes it sensitive because it has information about the names, the addresses, the property location, the yield information, which makes it super sensitive. And the producers are uh, understandably very you know, worried about the information getting in the hands of wrong people. So our view has always been that the data collected through the digital farming tools belongs to the farmers. You know, the farmers should essentially decide who they share it with. You know, they can share it with third parties, agronomic service providers and so on. But, you know, we should not be sharing data with anyone without the consent of the farmers. What is very important to think about is that when you're collecting data, you know, you could be collecting all this data, but you have to anonymize the data and you can leverage the insights based on it, but do not share the data without the consent of the farmers, right? And that is the shift that needs to happen, right? Where you you are leveraging general insights from it, but you're not sharing the raw data or you're not just you know, making it available to third party without the consent of the farmers. And I think that should take away some concern that farmers uh, think. And, and I think this is the onus of the digital farming platform providers to ensure that this is happening. Could you give any examples of an insight that might come from aggregated and anonymized data? That comes up a lot, right? Like, oh, well, your data isn't shared with anyone. We just, you know, aggregate it and anonymize it and provide an insight. I don't think we actually explain what that means very often. And do you have any examples maybe you could share? Yeah. Um, so, for example, you're collecting lots of data from the farmers and, uh, you know, it could uh, actually provide even value to our uh, dealers on, you know, the performance of like some of the hybrids, how the hybrids operate, right? As you are collecting lots of data from different farming operations, you are seeing the performance of these uh, hybrids. You can do the side-by-side -side comparison and see, you know, which are the hybrids that are performing really well. And then you can make the recommendation to farm on how they could actually leverage that data to improve their productivity and yield. I, I think that is the way to leverage the data, right? Or, you know, how do you collect all this data to give them insights on which area of the field they should be applying it to improve the profitability? Because, uh, you know, they could be even how they are applying their inputs and resources in the right place at the right time right? Those are the insights that can be really powerful for the farmers. These are all the examples of different decisions that they can make. And how do they receive those insights? As an example, like uh, if, if you look at a carbon initiative that we are driving, we are looking at uh, getting the farmers to enroll in the program. It is to today available for Brazil and U.S. And uh, 
they learn about our program, they enroll the eligible fields, then they follow a prescribed set of actions like reporting their in-field activity through the climate field view for the duration of the carbon program. And then the compliance is validated and the amount of carbon sequestration is uh, calculated. And, and then the farmer gets paid for the carbon credits that they generate during the carbon program, right? This is an example of how we are using our platform to collect information from them, but also give them value out of it, right? So this is how we are looking at um, how we are designing our software as a service, data as a service, and professional services, because we are giving value to them through professional services. And again, we are using our primary platform for that. So we are collecting data, and then we we are also engaging a lot with our partners, uh, where uh, we are coming up with partner program where we are collecting the information and, uh, you know, we are working with them to help them along on the journey because uh, as we are bringing the dealers along, the dealers can also help provide value to the farmers. I know it would be too much to ask for you to like reveal your your product roadmap here. That's usually something people kind of keep to themselves. But I am curious, as you think about the product, you mentioned earlier how excited you were to try to get it in the hands of uh, farmers in developing countries at some point. What other iterations on the product itself would you like to see, you know, your team working on in the future? You know, um, my vision uh, for the product, this whole concept of, you know, FieldView platform and how we are evolving the FieldView platform where, you know, our vision, if you look at our platform strategy, it has been to get all the data in one place. That was the platform strategy we came up with. So if I walk you through, you know, the short term, in the short term, you have heard of the push and the pull strategy, right? You know, short term, uh, it is push strategy. You really want to push the product at the customer, let them play with it, learn from it. And, uh, you know, as the product evolves or goes on the path of evolution, then you go to the pull strategy. You create a pull for the product. Both push and pull strategy are important, depending on the path of maturity that you are in. But it is the pull strategy that actually creates the brand ambassadors, Right. So our short term approach is to create momentum with the farmers and have the farmers come along on the journey. And we are working on some of these tailored solutions, which are tailored to the fields or specific regions of the field and help farmers see the actual outcome that they can derive from working closely with us. And this is what is dictating the attributes that we support in our platform. Longer term, we hope that really coming up with a simple, intuitive platform that is aligned with the agronomic workflow of the farmers, that it makes it so simple for them. It's so simple and intuitive. It helps them really, uh, you know, organize and run trials at scale and also learn in the process, right? It becomes very easy for them to use. So I think that is the path that we are on. And, uh, you know, this is where I'm letting my team focus. So we are focusing a lot on running some of these uh, pilots with our customers learning in the process and uh, also looking at evolution of our software as a service platform. So if you look at FieldView, you know, we are collecting information to see, you know, what is working, what is not working. How do we address the needs? Uh, Take the case of like, uh, you know, extra large farming operations in Latin America, what are the feedback that we are getting? And this is where user research comes into play, right? You you really have to keep looking at what are the challenges that some folks are facing? 
And those are the changes that we are trying to bring in. Like, how do we ensure that user-generated data is something that we are able to collect, not just the data from the farm machinery, right? So these are some of the enhancements that we are looking at short term. And then longer term, our view is like, how do we scale? How do we really grow our value in the value chain? and really create something which is uh, helping farmers with their experimentation. So that is the vision that we are uh, working on. Well, you've mentioned uh, the, the fourth agricultural revolution being a digital one. Where do you see the industry at in that revolution currently? I think uh, ag has been a very crowded place. You know, I see there are lots and lots of players the perceived value is very high and the barrier to entry is slightly low compared to a financial segment. So you see lots of players coming in. So I, I definitely think that, you know, there's lots and lots of uh, players out there who all are trying to derive value. Like some folks are thinking that uh, there's a lot of value in thinking about the entire value chain, right? And uh, if you look at uh, some of the players like Telus, they're really on a massive spree of acquisitions because they think they want to build the entire value chain. There are some smaller companies like Farmer Business Network that are more focused on direct to farmers. I think we are definitely on that path of, uh, you know, Act 4.0, which is uh, folks are definitely accepting the fact that science and technology is going to be at the heart of it. There's a lot of focus on the green initiative. Like if you look at Indigo, that is also focused on carbon initiative. They are thinking about sustainability. So I, I think the overall, the ag industry is already moving in this arena. You know, it, it's not at the mature stage of ag revolution. But uh, I would say it is in one of the early stages of ag revolution. But you can expect that there will be a lot of consolidation coming in the industry as things go by. One important fact to consider is that it is going to be a complex world of frenemies. And what I mean by that is, you know, the same company can be your partner, but they can also be your competitor. And we just have to get used to that that mode because, you know, you could be working with dealers on certain services and they could be leveraging your efforts to provide value to the farmers, but they could also be competing with you in certain areas, right? And that, that is a concept that people have to get familiar with. Um, so I, I already see this happening. I see uh, over time, I think farms will become more like factories. I'm trying to draw analogy with industrial and oil and gas segment. It will be a tightly controlled operations for turning out reliable products and immune as far as possible from the vagaries of nature, right? And that is how the evolution will happen. If you look at farming, I look at us as a branch of uh, matrix algebra. Again, I hope you understand where I'm coming from because a farmer must constantly juggle a set of variables like weather, soil, nutrient. If he does the algebra really well, then he will optimize his yield and maximize his profit, right? So the job of digital farming is twofold. One is to measure the variables that are going into the metrics algebra as accurately as possible, as is cost effective. And the other is to relieve the farmer of the burden of processing the metrics as he's comfortable with, as much as he's comfortable seeding to a machine, right? So that is how I see the evolution of agriculture. Now take the case of like chatbots, right? They are used a lot in retail, travel, media, insurance sectors. Agriculture could leverage this technology like really by assisting farmers with answers and recommendations on specific problems. And um, 
you know, I believe that in the future, a farmer's skill is going to be a mix of technology and biologic skills rather than pure agriculture. I want to get back to something you said about kind of the, the frenemies. And, and that made me think about, you know, I had the thought earlier, actually, too, when you're talking about, you know, the carbon program. You know, if you're collecting data and using it for a carbon program and all these other companies have their own carbon programs, too, you know, take, for example, Winfield United owned by Land Lakes with their own carbon program. You know, how does climate see that as far as you obviously want them to use the data for yours, but if the farmer wants to use a different carbon program, you know, how does that work? That's a great question. You know, I, I believe, Tim, that uh, for the dealers, if you are going to add value for them, if you create something for them that they can leverage and then they can derive value, then they are going to come to you. Right. Um, so you just have to figure out like how you create value for all these dealers and you're providing, you know, building out some competencies that they can leverage, because if it, if it is not in their core competency, they're not going to try to reinvent the wheel. Right. They will come to you to leverage it, but you have to give them the opportunity to, to differentiate themselves because that's important for their business. I, I think the way the world is going to evolve, and again, we are still in a very early stages of carbon program. But over time, I think, you know, if a farmer uh, wants to go leverage somebody else's carbon program, you know, they will have the choice to go and do that, right? Because I think we need to build out this ecosystem of players and ecosystem of products and technology, but people should be able to choose what they want to. This is why I keep saying that the evolution of our product strategy is that you create your platform that is so compelling and it is so aligned with the agronomic workflow of the farmers that it makes it easy for them to use. Then you create a pull for your product, right? I think in this in the real world, you know, just like a consumer has a choice of who they want to go to for achieving a particular service level, similarly, farmers will have the choice, right? In fact, today, if you look at farmers, you know, they, they do go to different technology providers. The value add that a technology uh, or a, a digital farming platform provider should uh, provide to the farmer, you make it so compelling, so simple and intuitive that they don't need to go to somebody else because it makes our life simpler, it makes their life simpler, right? Because you have one comprehensive suite of tools that you can use, you have a better customer support, uh, it makes your life a lot simpler. But if you're not going to get there, then you should give them a choice to go to somebody else. And that's totally okay because today farmers are doing that. They don't rely on field view for everything, right? They mix and match technology. Do you see any data issues holding in agricultural innovation back? And if so, you know, kind of what data issues are actually restricting innovation? Yes. Um, so if you look at when we are collecting data from the farm machinery, you know, not all machinery is uh, compatible with our drive approach where we collect the data, right? So that definitely, you know, constrains the amount of data that we are collecting. Also, not all data is uh, machine data. So we also have to think about user-generated data. And that's where we are uh, coming up with ways on how do we optimize data collection of user-generated data. So there is a, this involves partner data, you know, manual recording of the data. I think that 
if you really want to improve the data quality, so you are able to leverage the data to generate models, I think it is important to focus on data acquisition side. And that's where we are focusing, not just looking at, you know, uh, making all the equipment compatible to our drive, but we are also focusing on improving our user collection of data. Right, which is where we are thinking about attributes uh, like data inbox, um, so that we are able to collect all these user-generated data as well. Well, anything that I didn't get us to that you were hoping to at least mention on today? Maybe, you know, I, I see a lot of people have this concern on, you know, how is climate operating as part of Bear? How is that helping? I think a lot of people, I get a lot of that question. Uh, so I'll tell you my outside-in perspective as I as I came from outside. You know, I believe that uh, you know as I came in in the midst of uh, as climate was becoming part of bear, and and I have uh, learned in the process that actually in the short term, uh, having bear uh, with climate is actually helping us because as we are coming up with these tailored solutions, where we are running pilots with customers. You know, we are working hand in hand with Bear and Bear's extensive reach with the partners and customers is helping us. It's also helping us with the go-to-market approach and, and also this ability to combine the physical and the digital world. Uh, because, you know, if you take the case of uh, crop protection uh, use case, right, where a farmer today has to do the weed detection, analysis, and then the prescription. And then Bear used to create value by selling herbicides, Right. Now, if Bayer can create additional value for growers by detecting, analyzing, and prescribing, so you can utilize the image, translate it into binary, so you can say precisely where the weed is, then we can actually optimize the dosage of the crop protection product, which really helps the farmer, right? It improves his efficiency because he doesn't have to apply it everywhere across the field. He only applies it where it's exactly needed. In the process, I have come to realize that actually, uh, you know, it's helping us to provide more value to the farmers. That gets back to a little bit of our kind of like insights, too, is it's helping you all fulfill your mission. You know, overall, Net, I guess you think, it. you know, it must be good for a farmer. What I hear a lot of, and it's not just with climate and, and Bayer, you know, take another company you mentioned, uh, Farmers Business Network, you know, okay, we're going to give you all our data, and then you're going to turn around and try to sell a seed. Like, it just gets to be where you almost think that it's inevitable that my data is going to be used in some ways against me, even if it's aggregated and anonymized. And so anyway, I think that's going to be an issue we continue to address over the coming years. No, and uh, you are absolutely right. And I totally understand that. That This is true in other verticals also, by the way, Tim, where people are worried, right? Like, uh, oh, you're collecting all this data from me, but are you going to use it against me? I think it is, uh, it, it is pertinent upon the providers of the digital farming platform to create that confidence level with the farmers and growers, right? Like what are the do's and the don't do's kind of thing where you have to bring them along on the journey because seeing is believing, right? No matter what you say, it's not going to be enough. And uh, even if you come up with the regulation, right, you know, how high the bar can be and how do you hold digital farming platform providers to be accountable? So that, that is the balance that we need. And I believe that over time, I think even like if I can say from climate standpoint, I think it's going to be very important in how we conduct our business and how we, you know, create confidence for the farmers 
that their data is not being used in a wrong way. The truth is that just like for any consumer, right, you and I are consumers, our data is getting used in a lot of different places, right? I, I think we are comfortable in certain cases, not comfortable in certain others. But when we see the real value coming to us, then we become a little bit more comfortable, right? And when you see that your data is not getting used in a wrong way, or it's not getting in the hands of people who are misusing it, I think that's where your threshold is, right? You don't like that to happen. Uh, and this is I, this is just my personal view that I think we need to get you know farmers to be more comfortable with it. And you can only do it, show it to them through the action. Because seeing is believing, right? Just like for me as a consumer, I, I'm fine, you know, unless somebody is using my data in a wrong way. And, and I think this uh, newer generation is, I think, a lot more comfortable with it compared to uh, the previous generation. But over time, I think, you know, we just have to make people a believer or farmers a believer in it uh, by showing them through action and bringing them along the journey and, and showing them, look, how we are helping you improve the productivity and how you are, we are helping you, but we are not misusing your data, right? Or putting you at an undue advantage because we are selling your data to your competitors. That's complete not to do. Well, thank you very much to Ranjita Singh, Chief Product Officer at the Climate Corp for being on the show. Enjoyed that. You can learn more about them on their website, www.climate.com. Thanks as well to those of you who have shared these episodes on social media or uh, provided feedback in emails and DMs. It's all very much appreciated. I'm also grateful for those who have left a rating and review on iTunes. Most recently, we've got one here from Delta Omaha, who come to find out is former guest on this show and just great guy to know, Lee Adams of Open Trail Partners. Lee says this is the pulse of innovation in agriculture and food. Tim has managed to have such a wide variety of guests and hosts each episode in a thoughtful, inquiring path. Many voices out there are jargon-filled and definitive in their perspectives. I feel like I'm along with Tim for a learning ride in each episode, and it's always time well spent. Hey, thanks so much, Lee. And if you listen to this episode on iTunes and you haven't yet done so, please take just one minute and leave us a rating and review for this show. It's the first thing that people will see when they're wondering if this is worth giving a shot and listening to. Thanks so much for your time and your attention. I don't take it lightly. I'll be back next week with another story of ag innovation. Oh, 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 o